hear all. Before I start, I just wanted to share two things that happened this morning. They're completely unrelated to the sermon. The first one, and when I tell you this, some of you are going to say, Mandy, we're not that surprised we knew and you hadn't realised yet, was that Pete suggested that my youngest son, Ben, and I should stand back to back in the kitchen. I am officially the shortest in my family. My 12-year-old has just passed me. The second was a very encouraging moment. In a week of difficult news on the TV and um, a lot of fear for people, I drove past nine huge trucks on the freeway coming here that were jam-packed with hay bales, with big signs, disaster relief, need for feed, and I was encouraged. One of the, the trucks had a, a little kid's bike strapped to the back of the hay. I don't know if someone had donated that and sent that as well, but be encouraged. We're into part three of our current series, Home. We've looked at devoted, our walk with God. We've looked at given and how we walk with each other. And today I want to talk to you about the third part, release. In this series, we've been encouraged to look at how we can live fully in God's vision and fully devoted more of the time. We've also been challenged to use our gifts from God and to become more attentive in the time that we spend with him. Danny spoke last week encouraging us to look forward to living given. By given, he meant giving up ourselves to let in more of Jesus. When we focus more and more on God, we are then able to live more for others. Today I want to talk to you about what God has released us from. There are endless scriptures that point us towards a life of release and freedom in Christ. Here are just a few. John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Ephesians 3, 12. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Acts 13, 38 to 39. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed in you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. And Romans 6, 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. Freedom. As we're released from fear, insecurity, sadness, comparison, guilt, shame, worry, unforgiveness, addiction. We are repeatedly reminded to strive towards this life <clears throat> of being released through God's grace to be the people God made us to be. I grew up singing a hymn very regularly at a Baptist church in suburban Melbourne. I'm sure as I read the lyrics, some of you will immediately start humming the tune in your head. Be warned, this song has stuck with me for days, but it's not a bad thing to be humming in my mind. It went like this, I'm not going to sing. There is no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus who walk every day in the spirit of the Lord. For the law of the spirit 
of life in Christ Jesus has made me free, has made me free from the law of sin and death. Has made me free, has made me free from the law of sin and death. This hymn is based on Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. What has Jesus' love and grace through the law of the Spirit released you from? What has it released me from? Do we live set free? The passage says there is now no condemnation. In these verses, it doesn't say there is now no condemnation except when you really stuff up. There is now no condemnation except for that sin back in 1996. That was a really bad one and God can't forgive that one. There is now no condemnation, but because you keep coming back to that sin and can't shake that bad habit, well, Jesus condemns you for that one. There is now no condemnation except when that person who reminds you every time of your downfalls and the things you get wrong comes along and what they say is more powerful than God. There is now no condemnation. Well, not now, but later when you've got a few things sorted out. God's word says, therefore, is now no condemnation. Do I know the freedom of Jesus' love and grace fully? And when I know this freedom, what does it release me to be able to do and be for God? Do you know this freedom daily? And what has it released you from and enabled you to do? Turn with me as we look at this section of scripture from Romans 8, verses 1 to 17. The passage is jam-packed with truths to hold on to. And I want to highlight selected verses from this passage today. Can I encourage you to read the whole of chapter 8 when you get home as you think about the freedoms that God offers? Verse 1 and 2 we've read, Therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. God's Spirit gives life, life that has set you free. In verse 8, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. We are told in scripture that Christ renews our mind. We think about how our mind can be changed towards life and peace because of the spirit. In verse 9, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. We're not in the realm of the flesh. We might experience difficulties daily in the flesh, but we are not in that realm. We have the spirit of God in us. In verse 10, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. We have righteousness before God because his spirit lives in us. God doesn't see our sin. He sees us as righteous in him. Verse 14 to 17. 
For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We don't have to live in fear again. We are children of God. We are adopted into sonship. We are his heirs. There is so much release and freedom offered by the Spirit of God. This passage encourages us to live in the Spirit and take hold of the power that Christ gives us over sin on the cross to experience a life of peace and no condemnation. What an inspiring passage and what an exciting way to live. We are his children. We're no longer slaves to sin. We have a mind governed by the life of God. We can live a life of peace. We don't have to live in fear anymore. We are no longer controlled by the flesh. I don't have to worry about what others think. I don't have to succumb to temptation or bad habits. I can have freedom from addiction. Imagine actually living free like that. Why is it so hard to live out this freedom? I get really inspired by this and many other passages and then this is what happens. I go to the supermarket on my way home from work to grab a couple of things. The kids know that's code for at least 15 things. I'm hungry, I'm tired, maybe a bit overwhelmed by the busyness of the day and the next thing that has to be done. A little thought pops into my head while I'm shopping. It's not a good or helpful thought. I try really hard to think of something else. I run through various pros and cons in my head as I shop. I avoid a particular aisle and then sometimes find myself circling back. The discussion in my head goes something like this. I'm really hungry. A Turkish delight would be nice. You'll be home soon and dinner is not that far away. Don't do it. But I'm starving. And I've still got to cook dinner when I get home. And I didn't have a proper lunch. And I might go to the gym tomorrow, which will counteract the chocolate. Mandy, you said you were going to try and eat healthy. Don't do it. Walk past the chocolate aisle. A bit of chocolate every now and then. Does it really matter? And so it goes on. But we all know it's not just about the chocolate, is it? This is a frivolous example that I can joke about. I don't really want to talk seriously about the underlying sugar addiction. We don't really want to talk about any addictions. Or the temptation to gossip, lie, slander, covet, be jealous, angry, selfish. For some of us, the hindrance to freedom in Christ is our own guilt and shame or the insecurities that make us reliant on the opinion of others, which crowds out the voice telling us we are God's child, that we are free from condemnation. Why is it so hard to be released from these things, to know God's freedom? Chapter 8 of Romans starts with a therefore, and a wise person I know says, what is the therefore, therefore? So let's jump back to chapter 7 of Romans, verses 18 to 25. 
For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man am I. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. This is the Turkish delight conundrum. I desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I do not do the good that I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do, I keep on doing. What a wretched person am I. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? When guilt and shame takes over. When insecurities or fears control us. When we give in to the cravings of addiction. When anger takes control. This passage in chapter 7 is the cry of our hearts. Paul knew these emotions and problems of our sin nature. And it reminds us that God knows every secret of our heart, every habit, every struggle. But what does this passage finish with? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then chapter 8 starts, there is no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. How do we find this release and freedom? Through Jesus Christ our Lord who does not condemn us. We must remember we're on a journey for our whole lives towards becoming more like Christ. If we could get it perfect now in our own strength, we wouldn't have a need for Jesus' grace. I do believe there are practical things we can do and understand better with God's help that assist us in moving towards freedom in this journey. We need to know that we're in a battle. And here are three things I think play a big part in the war we wage in our minds and hearts against the freedom God offers. We battle impatience. We battle inner voices. And we battle external voices. Very occasionally I hear a story or speak to someone who tells me of a dramatic healing from addiction or guilt and shame. Their life was suddenly transformed by the power of God in a miraculous, full 180 degree turn kind of way. I believe wholeheartedly that God does this. However, the reality is that this is rare. For most of us who overcome serious addiction or deal with crippling guilt, fear, insecurity, it has taken time. It can take a lifetime. It also takes long-term accountability with friends, sponsors, counsellors, people who tell us the hard things we need to hear. It takes regular and devoted time in God's word and prayer. 
And we need to surround ourselves with believers who will support us. Likewise, for those of us who are trying to give up a bad habit, manage our anger, or whatever it may be, it will take persistence as we sometimes go two steps forward and one step back. But when we persist with God's help, we are open to him renewing our mind and breathing life and freedom into our thoughts. We can experience this release slowly and surely. I have the privilege in my role as a counsellor to sometimes hear people say, I never thought I could get to this better place. Twelve months ago I felt hopeless and like things could never change, but they have. It takes time. Sometimes we battle those inner voices. The voices might be telling you that God does condemn you, that you are never truly forgiven, that the things you have done are too bad for God to overlook. Everyday insecurities might rank higher than any other voice and control you with fear and worry. A reminder again of what Kim Smith said when she spoke here a few months ago. What I say God says about me is more powerful in my life than what God says. What I say God says about me is more powerful in my life than what God says. Can I encourage you to challenge those voices in your head? Immerse yourself in the promises of God and how he sees you. And reread Romans chapter 8 regularly. Further on in Romans 8.34 it says, For then, is there one to condemn? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Let's make the truth of what God says about us more powerful than the voices in our head. Sometimes we battle the external voices. Unfortunately, some of us have people who regularly speak criticism and negativity into our lives. I'm not talking about genuine friends who lovingly help us grow and challenge us. I'm talking about those people that seem intent on pulling others down or finding fault. I heard a great quote recently, don't take criticism from people that you wouldn't take advice from. Consider the person doing the criticising and ask yourself whether you really value and trust their input. If not, then maybe ask them politely to stop telling you what to do. If you do trust their input, then maybe ask them to be kinder and more positive in the way that they speak to you. Either way, what God says about you is more powerful. Don't get me wrong, I'm a firm believer in good boundaries and the need to sometimes speak frankly. But I would challenge each of us to consider the words we use and that the people we are interacting with are also loved by God. Promoting a positive outlook for yourself and others helps propel us towards freedom and the hope that God offers. You might be saying this morning, well, that's all very well, Mandy, but you don't know what I did. There's a stark reality that there will always be earthly consequences for sin. I have a friend who faced a very serious alcohol addiction and nearly lost her family and her life. Some of you heard her speak at home base last year. I don't begin to compare the cravings of a chocolate bar at the supermarket 
for the depths of despair that she and her family have faced and the guilt that she carries for her actions. For many, even as they become free of their addiction, it doesn't mean they've been released from guilt. And for the people who've been hurt by them, it is hard to forgive and trust again. This is the consequence of sin and we do have to live with that. For my friend, who has not had a drink for five years, she is being released more and more into freedom in Christ. This release has enabled her to move past focusing on her own sin and shame and has begun to serve others as she feels she's been called to. Because the exciting part is that when we're released, we can experience and focus more outwardly and begin to serve. My friend's now a foster carer, young children, and is doing an amazing job. I'm sure she would say joyously that five years ago she never thought she would be where she is now, but by the grace of God. When we are released through Christ, we have more room for others because we're less focused on ourselves, more room for their needs, more capacity to help and serve, more headspace to notice others, more hope and joy to give. Hope in Christ is a powerful weapon against the battle to be patient in growth and change, to beat those inner and external voices of guilt and shame and to know more fully the love and freedom that Christ offers. I want to finish with a story of a man named Ken. Ken and his wife ran the Bible study group we attended when we lived in Maitland, New South Wales, for two years. They had become Christians as adults and it had been very life-changing for both of them. Ken, in a very casual manner one day, told us about how he'd come to know Christ and mentioned that he was so overcome by what God had freed him from that one day at the end of the church service, he stood up to share. However, he didn't share the specifics of his coming to Christ. Instead, he stood up and told the whole congregation every one of his sins. He said it was the most freeing thing he had ever done. I want you to imagine right now doing that. After church here at CCW, casually tapping Danny on the shoulder as he wraps up the service, asking for the microphone for a minute. Imagine cataloguing all your sins, sharing them in front of everyone. Ken told this story with a huge smile on his face. I was cringing inside. I was horrified at the thought of everyone knowing all my sins. Yet the joy on Ken's face was so <coughs> evident. Ken felt freed from all those sins and he was moving forwards towards greater release and freedom each day as he got to know Jesus' love more fully. Can we say this morning, we have hope. We are not condemned. We are God's children and we are free. When you wake up tomorrow morning, tell yourself, God's with me on this journey and together we can move forward to a better place. God is freeing me to serve others more fully and know him more deeply so I can see myself as God sees me. And finally, a reminder that we are on a journey. For me, this picture came to mind I'm sure many of you have seen it on footage before. There's the marathon runner who is so close to that finish line and they hit that wall and their limbs stop doing what their brain tells them to do and they stumble 
and they sway and they weave. They almost look like they're having a stroke. You can see the panic in their eyes where that finish line is there and they can't get there. That's sometimes how we feel when we're in the grip of that fear, that addiction. When we feel trapped, when we feel condemned. You know, God isn't the coach yelling at us from the sideline. And God isn't even the fans that are screaming their support. God is that person that comes along and helps them. We've seen the footage, that other runner that stops and instead of getting to the finish line, they prop them up, one on each side. Sometimes it's two competitors. Sometimes they even carry them across the line just so they can finish. They give up their own place, that positional time or PB they would have got to get that person across the line. That is who God is in our journey and our race. In the words of Philippians 3.14, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. May we continue to love and support each other on this journey together towards freedom in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we are free in you that Christ's death on the cross releases us from fear and guilt, from our sin, from our addictions. Father, you know each of our hearts here today. You know what each of us is dealing with. I pray that you will encourage us to speak with someone, to surround ourselves with those that can keep us accountable, that can help us on this journey. May we be people that don't condemn and judge others, but be people that love and support each other on this journey. In Jesus' name, amen.